0: Hey there, industrial marketer. Welcome to the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We're your hosts, Brendan Forrest and Mary Keogh. And like you, we both cut our teeth in-house in manufacturing companies. Today, we are senior strategists at Gorilla76, an agency dedicated to building revenue-focused marketing programs for industrial companies. Our aim is to help empower you to get a seat at the table and move the needle forward on your goals. Today, Gorilla76's senior performance marketer is joining us again to talk about Google Ads. That man's name is Kevin McClary. Kevin, thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
1: Doing excellent. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah. So Kevin, you joined us last
0: week on Industrial Marketing Live to talk about Google ads. And we talked a lot of like really basic stuff. And so I think now today, let's just talk about, you know, what makes a successful Google ads campaign. And maybe, you know, we'll walk through, you know, what setting up that campaign looks like. So uh, Kevin and Mary, uh, Mary, glad to see you here today too. Um, what makes a successful Google Ads campaign? Right, like we're trying to capture some demand here. What actually determines if your campaign successful or not?
1: Great question. Um, I feel like that Thank can, you. yeah, <laughs> that can be different for for anybody, right? Like some people they they might need thirty good leads a month, and other people they can get like six a year, mm-hmm. and, and it can work out for them um, you know, we are capturing demand. It's Google ads is very high intent when somebody is going and searching for your business or these specific keywords, like they're looking to solve a problem, maybe not immediately, uh, but they're, they're looking to solve it. And, um, for, for some people that if they got one lead a month, um, their, and their conversion rate is pretty good and their closing rate is pretty good. Um, that could mean that they're, Google ads campaign is successful, right? So the way I think about that is the way you actually measure that is you think about the lifetime value of your customer. What is the average lifetime value? And you can do some quick math and then subtract, like what is the actual cost for you to service that customer? And then on average, like where could you still be profitable while acquiring mm-hmm. that customer right so you could find out that a a cost per cost per customer or customer acquisition cost could be like $10,000 and you're still profitable or it could be $10 right so you need to you need to know your business you need to do some some math and work backwards and then the way you actually build out your campaign uh, is going to be based off of that yeah
0: yeah, so that means you need to know what the cost of your thing is, what the profit margin is on your thing. And then like you said, Kevin, like how many things do you think you're gonna sell to this one person for you know the lifetime that you're gonna work with them? And then yeah, does that thousand dollar cost per conversion cost, does that make sense for your business or fifteen hundred dollars or fifty dollars, you know, whatever that number is. Mary, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, especially like with your expertise in like HubSpot and CRMs. Like how would you go about looking to determine if a a campaign is successful, you know, utilizing a tool like a CRM?
2: Yeah, I'm mostly tracking that through from not just the conversion point. So Kevin and I work together a lot on Google Ads campaigns. So he does kind of what I would call the front end work. So he does all the work in platform and tells me, yep, conversions are good. Click through rates good, you know those leading front-end metrics look healthy, what are you seeing on the back end? So what I'm tracking is making sure Google Ads is synced with HubSpot, first of all, making sure the leads are being attributed properly. So it's coming in as paid search in the source field, and then tracking that through to opportunities and eventually revenue, depending on how long the customer sales cycle is. So if I'm seeing a bunch of leads come in, I know the average sales cycle is roughly six months. I'm probably not going to touch much until after six months. So of course, I want to see leads coming in. If leads aren't coming in, then Kevin and I will talk. But if I'm seeing a healthy amount of leads come in, they're turning into opportunities, but maybe not customers yet. I'll give it six months knowing the sales cycle is that long and then reassess later.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But basically, cool. if, if they're spending a lot of money in Google Ads, they're spending... A lot to have Kevin and I manage their Google ads and to live in their CRM with them. If they are not getting revenue from said efforts, then yeah, I'm not afraid to say Google Ads maybe isn't working for your business.
0: Right. So before you turn it off though, there's probably some levers that we can pull, right? Both in platform on Google Ads and then maybe looking at something in, in the CRM. So like what are those levers that you know a marketer has at their disposal that they could start tweaking and pulling and pushing and, you know, doing all that to?
2: Yeah, go ahead, Kevin. I'll let you take it first.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can get into campaign <laughs> setup, um, but also like once things are running, um, negating being out keywords, right? Like if if people are clicking on keywords that are, are are searching keywords and clicking on your ad for things that aren't relevant to your business, um, you're you're paying for those clicks, right? Like so, a lot of people will just sort of launch a campaign and and feel like they have a good Keyword strategy and maybe they do, but they're getting a lot of impression waste and click waste mm-hmm. um, from irrelevant searches. And it's just the first thing that you can look at to start optimizing your campaign, right? Um, there's a lot of things, like I said, in original campaign setup that can help limit that. Um, like even knowing the the exact location that you're targeting, you're targeting people who live in the spot, not people who are interested or searching for it. Mm-hmm. Um and Just some basic campaign structure um, that can really set you up for success from from the beginning, and then you're 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 always going to be maintaining the campaign. There's always going to be plenty of maintenance, Um, but if you do things right from the start, you're going to be saving yourself a lot of time and money. Yeah,
0: I would also say on this point too, you know, looking at keywords and campaign structure, like like yeah, do your best to like set it up as well as you can on the front end. That's going to make your life a lot easier in the back end, but like, I don't think you're ever like going to have like your campaign structure always set. Like you're gonna be, you'd be super lucky to like nail your campaign structure, I think, at the launch. And like, it is okay. It, it is, your campaign structure is in, it's like Google, right? It's not in the stone, right? You can change it. Um, And, you know, I especially on the industrial side, like sometimes it's hard to know like what people actually search for. And, you know, if the searches that they are doing it are more like informational versus transactional. And I've had to, like, I've done this multiple times, right? Like if you're looking at like, you know, a mold for like metal casting. Well, you know, there's a lot of different ways people, like people call those molds, they call them tools, they call it tooling. And, you know, so like, if you start look with with what you think is the right word with tools, well, that could lead to a lot of weird stuff. And then maybe you need to switch to molds. Or I, I would also say like, don't be afraid to get super niche, right? Like, uh, you know, I was doing a ad group that was on industrial ovens. Well, that did pretty well, but it didn't really lead to any customers in the back end, you know, on uh, in HubSpot. But then, you know, maybe you have to go large industrial ovens or custom industrial ovens, you know, and like start adding modifier words onto your keywords to get even tighter, to get rid of a lot of that, that waste. Right, so I, I would say like, yeah, set your campaign up as well as you can the front end, but don't be afraid to change your keywords and your ad groups as you move along, as you learn more about how people are searching. Love it. Um, I think the other thing we didn't really talk about, um, you know, the whole ad experience in the IML episode, but you know, there's the keyword research, there's a campaign set up in Google, but then you have to send them somewhere too, right? Like you can't, like, you're not going to get conversions just off of Google. I, there's probably a way to do that, but like in industry, like we tend to want to send them to a landing page to tell more of a story, right? So let's talk about like what, you know, that last step is that landing page, like what are some best practices that we have seen uh, work well, maybe some things that haven't worked well. Um, because you know that like that's the one thing that you can look at right if your conversion rates really low, well, you probably have a poor landing page experience, and people aren't filling the form out. So, Kevin and like, what are your thoughts on the on the landing page experience?
2: Well, you just said it right there, the form, right? We've yeah. seen so many Google ads instances where the landing page is a home page or a product page, and there's yeah. no easy conversion point. So if you have a form, you're probably ahead of most people yeah. in-house running Google ads mm-hmm. period,
1: mm-hmm. totally. You need to give people a way to actually contact you easily. Uh, that It's it's pretty simple for me. It's, it's that having a contact form and having your headline on the page, like the first text that people see, have it be so obviously matched yeah. to what they search for. So nothing, like it doesn't have to be super clever, right? No, no, we're not being clever here. This isn't yeah. ad creative. This isn't yeah. a social media ad. Like somebody is is looking to have their problem solved if they search i need an industrial oven right the the headline should be industrial oven yeah or you could even get it specific to the application they're searching for right like if you want to get really nailed down they can be searching what what's a good application for that like industrial oven for automotive automotive yeah right so they're searching for that keyword when they click on your ad, they get to a landing page that says "Industrial Ovens for Automotive." Mm-hmm. There's a form right there; they can contact you. Yep, pretty simple. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, totally agree with that. Um, I think you just brought up like a really good point that I don't think should be uh, brushed under the rug. Kevin is you. The ad is not your landing page. The ad is the ad on Google. Let Mm. the ad do all the creative work. You can get fancy in the description. You can get fancy with a few headlines because you have plenty of options. The landing page is like talking to a salesperson. You just need the basics. You need to tie it back to the ad and you need to get them to convert.
0: Oh, so Mary, you're not saying uh, like 50 bullet points on features either?
2: Please, no, please. (laughs) I beg of you. (laughs) Plus it just doesn't convert. Like we've tried landing pages with... Tons and tons of features thinking that's, you know, people wanted to check the box. Like, okay, it has this, 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 and this. It just doesn't work. Um, Your differentiators are probably better feature highlights than the actual features of the device because most people assume at a certain point, once you get to a highly customized industrial oven, for example, that it does certain things. So your differentiators are probably more important. Like we make custom industrial ovens and this is how you can do it. And or we offer 24-7 support. That's a really big one. Performance guarantees are huge. Um, Engineering expertise on staff. Like all of those kinds of things are actually better features than just railing off product benefits.
0: And like the other thing to consider here, too, is, you know, we're not selling a pair of sneakers, right? That somebody can go to a landing page and just buy, like without knowing a lot of information. Like if you're selling a piece of capital equipment or like an engineering services, you know, that's going to be. Dozens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands, you know, up to a million dollars. Like, I think it's reasonable to expect a person want to click somewhere else to get more information. So, at Gorilla, we tend to not do a lot of squeeze pages, right? Where there's no links. Like, we are not afraid to put links from the landing page to the website, right? So, if, like, maybe don't put all your product features on the landing page, but you know, maybe have a link to your product page so somebody can go get more information about your product. And you know, if you have things set up right, it'll still get tracked if they fill out your get a quote form uh, that it was a Google Ads conversion, right? So um, don't be afraid to let them go to the rest of your website. Uh, And then the other point to make too here is we're talking about a conversion rate. uh, You know, a good conversion rate is 1% of all clicks, right? So, you know, so if you get 100 clicks, one click or one conversion is what we consider to be a good conversion rate. The problem is you just had 99 other people go to your landing page and not do anything. Uh, So one, I think, extra little tip that I've been learning about is... If you're doing paid social, please do a retargeting campaign to people that visit your website to include your landing pages, because then that person that visited your page will start seeing your ads on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever else you have retargeting YouTube. Um, so, you know, think about that like as another way to boost your Google ads campaign, you know, like start sending the messages when they're on other sites. So um, think about that because like you don't want to waste those 99 other people that went to your website, you know, to get them to go see the website for 20 seconds and then bounce and then never talk to you again. Like they came to your website, might as well send them some messaging, right? So um, any other questions or any, not questions, any other comments we want to make on, you know, successful Google ads campaigns and what what other levers we can pull or do we want to move to the next thing? Sounds like we're ready to move to the next thing.
1: Yeah, let's start
0: it. Right. All right, so we want to walk step-by-step step through what that campaign setup could look like. So, um, you know, maybe pause this, get to your office, get into Google ads. And then uh, we're going to walk you through what that campaign setup would look like, and you know the things that we would consider when we're setting this up. So, Mary, I'll kick it over to you.
2: All right, here we go, Kevin. It's just going to be lightning round, semi-lightning round, um, throwing questions at you. So it's going to be another gonna...
0: of our lightning rounds. That's thirty minutes long.
2: Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what this yeah. is going to be.
0: It's going to be one of those long Midwest thunderstorms. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just a just a little a little summer storm. That's right. All right, so I hit create new campaign in Google Ads. The first question Google asks me, what's your campaign objective? Mm. So we've got sales, leads, traffic, brand consideration, brand awareness, and then the rest are probably not relevant for B2B. So hit us, Kevin. What do you think? We're running
1: a search campaign, we're going leads.
2: Nice. Why not website traffic?
1: Because we're looking to get people to take action, right? Like we're looking to get people to actually uh, fill out a form and give us a lead. So website traffic will get you a lot of volume of clicks, um, but that's not necessarily what we're looking for with this strategy. We're looking for high intent.
2: Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, Don't use, don't waste Google ads dollars by just getting traffic increases or even brand awareness increases. That's just... It's not a good play for Google right now. The way that Google is, it's just not good. Okay, so I selected leads and we have use a conversion goal to improve leads. Let's talk about conversions and how to set them up.
1: Yeah, so um, it's difficult to show you everything you need without like showing you on screen, Um, but there's all kinds of great tutorials for like setting up Google conversions, but basically you're gonna be, taking uh, a piece of code that Google will give you and you're gonna install it on the back end of your website. Uh, we recommend using Google Tag Manager if you can. Uh, it's the easiest to use, but you're basically taking a piece of code, putting it on your site, and then you can um, set up triggers within Google Tag Manager to fire when someone actually visits like your thank you page. So if somebody mm-hmm. does fill out the form it gets to the thank you page, that piece of code fires, it triggers and tells Google ads, hey, someone who clicked on your ad and then went to your website, filled out the form, they've got to this thank you page. So they then attribute that as a conversion or a lead.
2: Yeah, that's such a great point because I know... Um, A lot of our listeners use HubSpot and HubSpot has two options for HubSpot forms. You can either do the conversion um, confirmation on page, or you can do it as a separate thank you page. Do the separate thank you page. It's almost impossible to track form fills if you do the confirmation on the same page. So definitely, definitely do the thank you page. Agreed. Okay, cool.
0: There's Mm -hmm. a couple of conversions we want to talk about too, right? So there's... um, the landing page conversion. You probably want to set up another one for just your regular get a quote conversion on your website. Um, And then the two phone call ones, right? Having the extension and then the phone call one on the website, right?
1: Yeah, great point. So you you do want to set up other conversions. Um, If there's any other place that someone can get a quote or contact you on your site, uh, you want to be tracking that thank you page as well. Um, Like we were saying before, somebody could click through uh, on your site, after seeing your ad several times, and and end up converting in a, a different place, so that's important. Also, the call conversions. Um, you can set up a call extension, which would essentially put your phone number on your actual Google ad, so someone could see your ad, click on your phone number, and call you directly. You can also set up a click to call conversion. So if someone has if you have your phone number on your site and it's clickable, someone can click on the phone number directly on your site and then call you if they're doing it from their phone, most likely you can set that up as a conversion as well, where it fires only if somebody clicks on that instant number. Um, One more question on this. Yeah. A lot of our, you
0: know, industrial companies have like a, you know, sales at company.com or info at company.com email. Is there a way to set it up where if somebody clicks on that email, you can set that up as a conversion?
1: You can. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would set it, it would be a conversion if somebody clicks on it. Yeah. Um, I'm not, to be honest, I'm not completely sure as far as firing, if when somebody clicks send on the email, if that's even possible, Um, but at least clicking on yeah. the email itself, you can... Anything like that, you can set up a trigger for if somebody clicks on anything on yeah. your website. Um, we just like, as we mentioned, we like having the thank you page for for certain things because it's so much more accurate. You're actually getting a page load mm-hmm. after the fact um, because there are times where somebody clicks on something, but they don't actually follow through right. with the entire action.
0: But like to me, that's similar to like a call, right? Like We have no idea what happens after they call,
1: right? They could just call and then hang up. It's true if you do it with a a call extension, like if it's already if your phone number is linked to your Google Ads account, you can set it up to where it only triggers if somebody's on the phone for like 30 seconds, 60 seconds because it's through the platform, but you can't do that with the click to call on website yeah interesting.
2: yeah, I would just I don't know. I would caution against putting email address anyways like when's the last time you emailed a company to get in touch with them?
0: Dude, I get so many of those and some of my clients. So many emails like asking them a quote
1: so crazy a lot of to your point brendan i think that could help you directionally right like if right. if they if your client is getting emails um and they're not able to attribute exactly where it's coming from if you are seeing some clicks from the google ads campaign onto that click on email um, you could possibly direct that and point it back to there. You could then ask that person as well. How did you hear about us? And if they right. say Google, you can kind of connect the dots. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, Mary, I agree. Like I wouldn't hold that as a, a definite truth.
2: Yeah. All right. So conversions, we're going high intent forms, calls, potentially email clicks. All right. Next is select a campaign type. So we have search, performance max, display, shopping, discovery, and video.
1: Yeah, so uh, we're talking Google search. We're setting up a search campaign. So we would go with the campaign type search. Um, The reason being these other campaign types don't really match what we're trying to accomplish here. Like for video, that would be like if you want to set up a YouTube campaign, Um, shopping, that's like more for e-commerce um display campaigns that's like banner ads um so yeah we're, we're running a search campaign so just go with search
2: why not what
1: is yeah i was gonna say what is performance
0: what about performance max
1: yeah so performance max is a new campaign uh objective that google has rolled out i believe in 2022 and basically you upload a bunch of different assets um that you have like images videos um like like, uh, headlines and stuff to use in search ads, um, keywords, like, and you're basically telling Google to use their entire ad network, whether that be search or display or YouTube ads, shopping ads. And they're just like maxing it out, deciding where to serve it at what times. And some I've heard of e-commerce, um, brands have having a lot of success with that. I don't really see a particular use case for B two B at the moment, um, but it—I mean—it's—it's it's definitely something to—to to, uh, have on the radar. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I have some insights there. I listened to a podcast called Perpetual Traffic, really, really good Google Ads podcast, and they do Performance Max for both B two B and B two C. B two C is crushing it with Performance Max, and they're finding B two B is getting clickbotted like crazy. Mm-hmm. So the only way that they can really combat it is to just add like 15 fields to their conversion form to keep the bots from filling it out. So it's like, is uh, it even worth it at that point?
0: It's not user friendly. That's a lot of fields. You're asking like fax number, like
1: first kid's name, like 15 fields. Yes. (laughs) And I do want to point out too, with performance max, at least as of today, January 12th, 2023, as far as I know, it will serve your ad like within search with Performance Max, but you're not going to get back like search terms, reports, and insights that you would with a search campaign. Nice. So let's stay with search. Stay with search for now.
2: All right. So next is select the ways you'd like to reach your goal. Visits, phone calls, store visits, app downloads, and lead form submissions.
1: Yeah. So uh, again, this could depend on exactly what, who, like what your business is and how you have things set up. But um, I mean, lead form submissions seems to make sense. Right. Or um, like if, if you have a lead form set up um, there could be people where they want to optimize for phone calls. Um, But from what everything we've been saying, it'd be a lead form.
2: Perfect. Okay. And now we go to bidding. So bidding, what do we want to focus on, Kevin? Our options are conversions, conversion value, clicks, and impression share.
1: Right. So um, it depends. So if you're setting up for just convert or like just um, from the very beginning, maybe clicks you want to focus on um, because you're looking to get data, right? If you set up just for conversions and you haven't really run one of these before and you don't know how much money to spend, you don't know how many, um, how many conversions to expect per month or how much it would cost, um, I would recommend if you're starting fresh to go with clicks.
2: Nice. Awesome. All right. So I've selected clicks for my bidding. Now we're going into campaign settings. First thing I see is network. And we have an auto check for search network and display network. What do we do there, Kevin?
1: Uncheck both of those. This is one of Google's nice little tricks. So they make both of these sound really appealing. And a lot of people will leave search network checked. Um, Maybe they'll uncheck display, but leave search on. This is deceiving. It's making it sound like they're going to be serving it just like a normal Google search ad, but what they're gonna actually do is serve your ad on other sites that use Google search engine. So instead of showing up in the main Google search results page, you could show up on like cnn.com search results or something like that, which is not <laughs> what we're trying to do.
2: Yeah, I don't wanna see industrial i have an ad in my CNN search, sorry. No. Friend. <laughs> All right. So next is locations to target. And we have a little carrot here that says location options.
1: Mm. Yeah. So depends on where you are, right? If you want to go U.S. only, U.S. and Canada, if you want to add some other things, um, you can add those. But say we're just focusing on the United States, you want to select the United States and then click on that locations options carrot. And you want to check... Under target, you want to check presence. And the reason you're doing this is because you only want to target people who are physically within the United States or within the location you're targeting. If you use presence or interest, that could be somebody in like India searching industrial Mm -hmm. ovens, United States. Um, So you just want to go with presence here.
2: Yeah. And I think it's worth noting that if you do not expand that carrot, um, Google automatically puts presence or interest. So that one, that that example, Kevin just said, Google will do that automatically if you don't manually change it to presence.
0: Yep. I think one rule of thumb when setting up any campaign, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google ads, just click into the carrots, click into all the things and make sure you're not kidding. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes.
2: Totally agree. Um, Kevin, how about audience segments? We have that as our next campaign setting.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Um, I usually don't um, set up any like targeting audiences on a Google search campaign from the start. You don't want to limit yourself too much. Again, you do want to collect data. Um, but you can set up some audiences in observation mode, which that is not going to affect the targeting of your campaign that will just sort of tell you, you can get data. Like if you want to select the audience, like business services, you could see data for people within the business services, how they're searching
2: for you. Perfect. Yeah. I almost always do um, the observation mode also, Kevin. I don't, I've never limited it by audience segment for targeting. Okay, great. And then the next thing we have is just kind of this list of ad rotation, start and end date, ad schedule, campaign URL options and dynamic search ads. Do you have any comments on when we should edit Google's manual or automatic um, settings?
1: Um, We're looking at like keyword and ad setup.
2: No, so this is um, under the more settings, we have ad rotation. Do, do we always want them to prefer best performing ad? Yes or no?
1: Oh, I got gotcha. um, you. Yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Cool. I wouldn't do that.
2: And then ad schedule, do you always run it all day?
1: It This this is something that you can uh, optimize more like once you've launched the campaign. Um, I don't think it would hurt if you left it on all day to begin. And then later on, you can look at the actual ad schedule. Um, It also, I don't think it's going to hurt too much if you set it just as like regular working hours, Mm -hmm. like hours that humans are typically awake, like 6am to 11pm, something like that, Um, that this isn't a make or break um, either way you go, because like Brendan was mentioning, like, this is something you can change at any time.
2: Nice. And then dynamic search ad setting. Do you do anything there?
1: Um I typically don't have to mess with this one, to be yeah. honest. Cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I don't recommend dynamic search ads too if you are wondering about it, because that's the one where Google can take your URL, so your URL landing page. And then just start pulling descriptions, headlines, anything it wants to do, and just throw it out on search network without your um, explicit approval.
1: Yeah, it's best to start with full control. Nice.
2: I agree. Okay, so we won't get into too much on the details of keywords and budget. But as far as like keywords, like let's just do super general phrase exact or broad. What do you usually recommend?
1: Um, I like to start with um, a few phrase match keywords. Um, You might have an exact match. Like if you wanted to focus just on like your brand for one ad group, you can do an exact match. But um, phrase match works pretty well. Um, I shy away from broad match unless I really know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if I need to... I don't want to, but if I need to throw spaghetti at the wall and and see what's working, maybe I'll use broad match. Um, But phrase match seems to be a pretty safe place to start.
0: There's a a lot of maintenance time that comes with broad match keywords, right? Because you're gonna be in that search term report a lot because there's gonna be a lot of junk in there. And if you don't maintain it, you are gonna be doing a lot of wasted ad spend. So if you are gonna go the broad match route, be prepared to be in the search term report probably multiple times a week, uh, for some significant time at least in the beginning uh to narrow that down.
2: Yeah, I agree. Great. And then how many keywords do you usually recommend just at the start?
1: Um like maybe like five or so um okay. for your initial campaign and ad group. Pretty no clear.
2: more no more than how many?
1: <laughs> no more than mm, oh that's tough. Um no more than like I don't know, like seven, eight, nine, 10,
2: right? Yeah. Like <laughs> even like 20, that's that's a lot. Like yeah. if you have to do it, go ahead, I guess. But then you're gonna have to do a lot of like ad group um shifting. So you're gonna have to break up a lot of those 20 keywords into different ad groups, and it's probably just not worth your maintenance time.
1: Right. And yeah, to be clear, like everybody's gonna be different. But we're we're talking more to the types of industrial companies that we see and like the success that they have. I think from what I've seen with setting campaigns
0: up was, you know, like we're looking at a budget of probably something like a thousand to $1,500 a month, probably looking at three to four ad groups with three to five keywords in each of those ad groups is kind of like what I've seen. I, yeah, yep. I like, I know like a lot of companies have a lot of products and they could probably run a ton of Google ads, but most of them don't have the budget to do that. And or the time to maintain those and, and like and like we like you can always expand it out later like once you figure out what you're doing and so it's probably better to start small and then scale it up um uh, you know once you figure things out and what's, like what's working for your company uh cuz yeah we're not going to be able to give you all the exact information on a podcast you know talking to all industrial b2b companies so yeah i think like 3 3 or so ad groups with 3 to 5 keywords in each of those is probably a good place to start but then you guys have had success running like 1111 campaigns
1: right so let's yeah. what is that So that is like, when you have been running an ad for a while, running campaigns, and you found the keyword, that's like the golden one, right? Like it's getting you all your best conversions, the convert, like the leads are actually closing. You're getting it at a good cost. It's just, it's humming along, right? And you're like, what if I only bid on that one keyword? Mm -hmm. This uh, with just this campaign setup so we call it like one 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 um because you have one campaign one ad group um one keyword <laughs> like one ad and yeah. it if if you if you can dial it in right man it can be that's when Google ads is like cooking at its highest level
2: yeah totally agree awesome well that is the whole campaign setup so I hope listeners that that was helpful for you
0: oh no one said anything <laughs> just just <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah dead air yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. cool um we covered a lot of ground there uh that was a good conversation yeah uh, is there uh is kevin do you have any parting words on google ads you know from what we talked about in industrial marketing live to what we talked today on manufacturing marketers or any other things that we need to say here you know for someone to get themselves started on google ads for b2b industrial companies.
1: Um, yeah, I'd say like, learn, um, it's good to learn like from free information like this even, or Mm -hmm. keep tutorials or whatever. Um, we're, we're here to help you get started and it helped me get started in my career, things like this, but until you actually get in there and run it yourself and you can start learning, uh, what works for your business, um, you know, you're never going to actually be able to 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 get there. So get in there and, and do it on your own, and and learn as much as you can. And also, just I mentioned this in the last um, episode, but it, I just want to reiterate it. Think about how a human behaves with paid search when they when they actually search for something on Google. What do you want, right? Like if you were searching for your business, how do you think that experience should feel mm-hmm. how, how easy should it be for you to to, to help solve your problem, um, and I mean that's sort of the big why and, and answers uh, all of the questions that that we've been chatting about here today. It's like why message match, yeah. Why why have a big bold headline, right? Like why um, set your campaign up this way? It's because we want to make things easy on on a human to solve their problem with your product or service. Yeah. Um, Okay. So one last question for both of you. Um,
0: Is there any specific resources that you remember using to get yourself educated on Google ads? You know, I think this is gonna be a good spot to go, but you know, for like some more in-depth tutorials on people that just talk about uh, search ads, uh, is there anywhere specifically that people should go to learn more?
1: So the Google, like the free Google ads courses um, are great. Right. Like they can help teach you a lot of the just mechanical things, the levers to pull. Um, Remember that that is run by Google and they're probably (laughs)
0: right. Yeah. So it's it's not going to like, I don't think it does a great job of like getting you the specifics on how to like actually get set up a campaign to perform well. It's just like, yeah, it's the buttonology.
1: Good good point, Brendan. Like they're going to give you some advice that is not what we just gave. It's going to be the opposite. Um, But that, um, if you want to actually, like, if you don't have, say you don't even have Google ads budget yet and access to an ad account, and you just want to see what the platform looks like on the back end, just YouTube search, right? Like Google ads tutorial. And then if you can visualize it, then when you actually do get in, it makes it a lot easier. Um, I also, there's this podcast that's just called the paid search podcast. And I listen to it a lot. It's just like in my regular rotation. Mm -hmm. And I have it, you know, running in my AirPods as I'm out walking, whatever. And it's so it's been the best like resource because it's people that are using it every day. And they're not just talking B2C. Like they have some B2B info in there. Um, And I think just sort of immersing yourself in free information that way having it, you're, you're going to pick up a lot more than you realize. It's almost like, um, subconscious way. Um, yeah. Cool. Mary, what was that show that
0: you were talking about earlier?
2: Yeah. Perpetual traffic.
0: Okay. Is there any other ones that, uh, stick out in your brain?
2: Um, from a strategy perspective, Blake Strozik on LinkedIn, that's S T R O Z Y K. He has some really great strategic advice on how to approach Google ads for B2B and then miles madden um he's a former refined labs guy if you go back into his history he's got some really great strategic posts on how to maximize google ads
0: awesome and then i would say from my perspective I went to one YouTube channel called Surfside PPC, and he does some really great, like, you know, Google Ads 101 kind of type tutorials that talked about the buttonology stuff that Google Ads has, but also talks about some of the strategy and like the, some of the tactics you can use to make your campaigns work work well. He kind of approaches it from more of a B2C perspective. So you have to do a little like translation into B2B industrial, uh, but it, it was a good place for me to start and then build my skills up from there. And then I think it's just like, yeah, get in the platform and mess around and learn. Uh, and then you can always DM us. Uh, We are here uh, to answer questions. And Mary, where else can people reach out to us?
2: Yeah. So you can reach out to us on LinkedIn. If you are not part of our industrial marketing Slack group, you can DM us to get in there. That's probably the easiest way to access us at this point because we're in Slack pretty much all day day. during business hours. And we have over a hundred industrial marketers in that community right now. And like the power of community there is crazy. I think someone asked a question on how to troubleshoot a tag manager thing. And within 10 minutes, the person had three responses. So just showing you the power of that community and um, how fast it you can get answers. So awesome.
0: And then we also have a live web show. Uh, so Industrial Marketing Live happens uh, the first and third Thursday of every single month. Uh, starts at 10 a.m. Central Time. Uh, what is that? 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so next week, we're uh, talking about copy that actually converts. Uh, we're going to have Alan Feinwald on the show. He's our conversion copywriter here at Gorilla 76. So we're going to talk about all things copy. Um, so it's going to be a good show. And then uh, we have a bunch of shows coming up on like um, influencer marketing and trade shows. So it's uh, it's going to be a fun quarter on IML. Uh, so be sure to join us there. Um, and then Kevin, how
1: can uh, people hear more about you? Yeah. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn, Kevin McClary. Email me kevin. McClary at gorilla seventy six dot com. And hit me up on TikTok at Kevin Earl93. Cause I'm talking about marketing stuff, but I'm also talking about old nineties Nickelodeon shows that you might remember <laughs> as a kid. Was there ninety-two other Kevin Earls? So, so what what was that? Was there ninety-two other Kevin Earls?
0: Did you go through every single number to find the the username? That is the year I was born. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Brendan. All right, y'all. We had fun. We'll catch you next time uh, at IML next week. So see ya. Bye.